Good afternoon, good evening. We greet you with Jesus' joy as far as this Thursday is concerned. And we take the wonderful delight of being able to come to you uh, to continue studying the word of God as we continue to work our way through Paul's letter to the church at Galatia. And what a wonderful joy that uh, Paul is uh, sharing with us to help us to understand this thing called freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, that our relationship with God through Jesus Christ is not based upon a bunch of rituals, rules, and regulations, but uh, predicated upon our faith in God through Jesus Christ. And so as we prepare to study, I uh, just want to take this wonderful opportunity to thank each and every one of you all who are joining us. And I see so many people that are joining us online. I uh, want to thank you all for taking your time out to to do this. So before we get started, if we could, let us bow ahead for a word of prayer and let's sense and seek what it is the Lord will have to do. I see Sister Parker and Sister Truesdale and Sister, uh, Deacon in Training, Eloise. Thank you so very, very much uh, for joining us as well as others who are coming on. Sister Deborah, I see you. God bless you. Uh, I feel like the teacher on Rumper Room back in the day when she would look into her glass mirror and see all the different students as far as the class was concerned. So God be praised. Darius, our sound man. Thank you, man, so very much for uh, joining us as far as this time is concerned. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer as we sense uh, God's guidance uh, and the presence of the ultimate rabbi uh, in this moment of teaching. God, we come to you right now. We thank you for the wonderful, incredible, awesome, uh, opportunity to share with you uh, as far as our time is concerned uh, during this teaching moment. And it's something we don't take for granted. So God, we pray right now that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, you will teach us your precepts and let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Show yourself mighty and strong, O God, so that ultimately we will hear, understand, and apply what you want for us to know and to do. Uh, God, come into this digital space right now, physical as well as virtual reality, and do what only you can do. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So let's um, uh, get ready to uh, walk through Galatians chapter 5. We want to start at verse 7. And we want to go through verse 15, Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 through verse 15. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 through verse 15. I will read it and ask that you all will highlight uh, certain words and phrases and circle uh, some things that in your own time of reflection and study, you'll be able to look back and um, delve even deeper. Starting at verse seven of chapter five of Galatians. You ran well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? I want you to underline that phrase, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Verse eight, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. I want you to circle the word persuasion. Verse nine, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Underline all of verse nine. Verse 10, 
I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. So I want you to, if you would, circle the word confidence. I want you to underline the phrase, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. I want you to underline all of that, and I want you to circle the phrase, whoever he is. Circle that phrase. All right. Verse 11. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Circle the word circumcision. Circle the word persecution. Then the offense of the cross has ceased. If you would highlight the phrase, the offense of the cross has ceased. Verse 12. I wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Highlight the phrase, cut themselves off. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Underline the phrase, call to liberty. Circle the word liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. If you would, highlight that phrase. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Circle the word liberty. Draw a line from the word liberty in the B clause to liberty in the A clause. But through love, serve one another. How like the phrase, but through love, serve one another. Verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. How like the phrase, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, Beware, lest you be consumed by one another. How like that phrase? How like that verse? All right, let's start getting to work and, and as we engage in what I would call exposition and explanation of these verses that have been read because I believe that what Paul is trying to do as far as this gathering is concerned with the church at Galatia. And remember, the church at Galatia is primarily filled with Gentile. These are non-Jewish Christians. And Paul is trying to get them to understand that your relationship with God through Jesus Christ has provided freedom for you. And if you want to try to do this law thing, particularly through circumcision, uh, what you are doing is you are falling away from grace. And so Paul is really trying to get them to stay in the freedom that God will have for them to, to be in. And, and as he navigates through verse seven, from verse seven to verse 15, he wants us to understand that as these Galatians wanted to submit to the law, uh, that it would be somewhat contrary to the gospel that, that, that Paul had preached and shared with them. He wanted them to understand that their acceptance of the gospel exposed them to social and religious liabilities of people in their family and among their friendship circles of cutting them off. 
And because they have this freedom from Jesus Christ and have become Christians, they kind of found themselves wrestling with what is going to be our identity now that we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So they were trying to fit in, trying to fit in either with the Jews or uh, trying to fit in with one another. And they felt that if they obeyed the law of circumcision, then somehow that would make them part of the Jewish sect. And Paul is saying, you ain't got to do all that. So we want to really unpack this because Paul's explanation of freedom uh, really uh, gives them as Christian Galatians a paradox. Being free from the law, being freed from sin, but yet becoming a slave to love and to caring for one's neighbor. All right. And, and that's going to be that's going to be interesting in and of itself. And I want to wrestle with the, the idea of being a slave to uh, love and oneself, because we as black folks really got some major issues and rightfully so with the institution of slavery. So let's try to do some work. Hopefully I've given an overview. Uh, let's try to uh, now dissect and um, uh, appreciate really what Paul is saying. So in verse seven, uh, when he talks about you have real, ran, you ran well, who hindered you from obeying the truth. He is, here he goes again, dealing with these Judaizers, these false teachers who were telling them that in order for you to be fully Christian, you have to be circumcised. So he is employing the idea or the metaphor of running a race, okay? All right, so you're running a race, you're keeping up a good pace, and then all of a sudden, somebody comes from off the field, jumps in front of you in the race, slows you down, gets you off track. This is the picture that Paul is presenting. The running well has to do everything, has everything to do with them appreciating the gospel of salvation based upon their faith in Jesus Christ. It is given to them by the grace of God. They were obeying the truth. They were doing good works. They had a good start. And here come the Judaizers, bam, running into them and cutting them off, okay? Causing them to lose their pace and to even fall. And I think that I love the fact that he uses this metaphor of running a race because we have to understand that being a Christian is not a life of a fun run. We are competing against the devil. We're competing against his deceivers. We're competing against the culture. We're competing against anybody that wants to get us off track. And interestingly, in today's culture, we are competing against atheists. We're competing against agnostics. We're competing against folks who want to deconstruct Christianity. We're competing against Hebrew Israelites. We're competing against anyone that comes with false doctrine as far as Christian belief is concerned. Uh, and unfortunately, because a lot of our people who join church uh, really don't understand why they do what they do. Someone can come along, just like Judaizers back then, someone can come along in today's culture, flip the script, and the next thing you know, 
those persons who have been a part of the church, those persons who have been saved, those persons who have been walking in the newness of the light of God get thrown off track. Okay. So the question that we got to wrestle with today is who is hindering you from obeying the truth? Who is hindering people you know who used to be a part of the Lord's church from obeying the truth? Who, who has jumped in front of them and told them, you know, you'll need to be in this race. You need to get out of this race. All right. Um, so we got to be very, very careful, even in today's culture in 2022 of allowing for others to get us off track. Now, let's continue to, 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 to move on because when we see in verse eight, we see, he says, this persuasion does not come from him that work to him is Jesus Christ who calls you. All right. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. So let's deal with the aspect because I wanted you to circle the word persuasion. And so let's deal with the aspect of persuasion. This, this concept of persuasion is dealing with the idea that you are saved by works, all right? So Paul is really saying, you gotta watch out for this false teaching as you're embracing something that God never gave you or that God never told you, that God called you by grace, that God saved you by grace predicated upon your faith in Jesus Christ. And now, unfortunately, uh, you've allowed for somebody to tell you, you got to work in order to be saved. Uh, and, and I want to, if I could, I see a comment that uh, Brother Fleming mentioned. And uh, I think this is going to, I can delve into this right now because he said people are allowing past hurts to keep them from church. And he see this in a group of millennials. And, 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 and so here's, here's the shout that I want to drop right now, even for those millennials. Uh, Brother Jamie, here it is that if millennials are allowing pastors to keep them from going to church, they have not fully embraced the grace of God. I think I just said something. I hope this blesses somebody who hears me right now. That anytime you allow for your past hurts, your past mistakes, your past pains, your past sins to keep you from going to church, to keep you out of the household of faith, to keep you from being connected to the community that Jesus Christ has established, you have not fully embrace the grace of God and you've allowed for others to tell you what God will not do in your life. Now, let me see if I can, if I can, can bless you. And Jamie, I hope that what I just said, um, um, helps because, um, if you can get that out, that, that, that'll be a blessing. Now watch this, watch this. The aspect the aspect of, of us doing stuff that God never really told us to do is predicated upon the fact that too many of us have this aspect of being saved twisted, that we think our salvation is based upon our being good in order for God to save us. And that's not how salvation works. It is like you going fishing 
and you're trying to clean the fish before you catch it. That ain't how this works. Um, uh, you don't clean the fish while it's still in the water or the net. You got to catch it first. And the catching for us is the salvation. <laughs> Thank you, God, for this revelation. The catching for us is salvation. The cleaning is the discipleship through the process of sanctification. Uh, I, think I, I think I just said something. The catching is salvation. The cleaning is sanctification. And we work that out through discipleship. So all I'm basically saying is this. You don't work to get saved. You don't do right things to get saved. You are saved to work. And you are saved to do right things. But even if you don't do all the things that you think you should do, it does not diminish your salvation. You're just not going to grow in sanctification and holiness. Okay. In other words, you remain so far beneath and, and below what it is that God wants to do in your life because you're not really exercising the faith muscles. Um, uh, uh, you're not really exercising uh, the faith muscles. Remember, faith without works is dead. And that is not to say that you work to get faith. But when you have faith, you're going to do some works. All right, so let me let me uh, see if I can if I can push this uh, even further, because what we have to understand is that for all of us, all it takes is a little bad truth to mess us up. Verse nine, a little leaven or a living yeast uh, messes up the whole loaf. Um, um, and this is why we have to be so careful, so careful of what you hear. Then let, let me, let me just say, you have to be very careful. And, 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 and I know that because of the internet, because of social media, so many of our people, even here at St. Paul, hear preaching from this person and teaching from that person and, and insights from this person. And you think you can integrate all that. And some of that stuff doesn't square up with the scriptures. And so, no, you don't work to be saved. No, Amanda, you don't work to be saved. No, you don't work to be saved. You work because you are saved. Salvation does not come by works. So let me clear that up. Uh, uh, you don't work to get saved, Amanda. You work because you are saved. Uh, salvation is never predicated upon our works. It is based on the grace of God. And um, if you don't walk away with anything else, Amanda Armstrong, please understand you don't work to get saved. Okay. Uh, uh, salvation does not come by your works. Salvation is by the grace of God through faith. OK. Um, and it is through the process of discipleship and through sanctification that we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But if you don't get anything else today, please, ma'am, please, sir, understand you don't work to get 
save. Um, um, and somebody may need to put that in the chat. You don't work to get saved. That ain't biblical. It ain't scriptural. That ain't how Jesus uh, 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 comes into it. And that is not how Paul explains it. You don't work to get saved. You work because you are saved. You don't mind doing those things. That When you fully understand what it means to be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you uh, don't mind doing what Jesus will have for you to do. And this is why this is why biblical teaching is, is so important by virtue of the fact that um, we have to understand that all it takes is a little bad doctrine and it could throw people off course. OK, all it takes is a little bad doctrine to throw people off course. And this is why you got to, number one, read the word of God for yourself. And number two, get in a Bible teaching, Bible preaching, Bible practicing church. Because if you don't read the word for yourself, and that's why I have you when we have, whenever we do Bible study, this is why I have you to follow along with me, circle phrases, underline certain things so that in your own spare time, you can go back and review it. So watch what he says in verse nine. He says, a little yeast or a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. In other words, it doesn't take much yeast to swell uh, dough. All it takes is just a little pinch. So if you just get a little bad teaching, it can throw you off kilter. Can you imagine getting a whole lot of bad teaching? It'll be dough all over the place. Okay. Yeah, it'd be dough all over the place. Amanda Armstrong work because we are saved. That's it. Got it now. Yeah, that's it. That's it, Amanda. You got it now. Work because we are saved. You don't work to get saved. You work because you are saved. When you fully understand what it means to be in Christ Jesus, you work. You don't mind working. Let me just say that, first of all, to, uh, because we are saved. Uh, but your, your works don't get you saved. So uh, I wanted to make sure that, that, was, that, that that's cleared up. Little, little yeast. Little bad teaching can mess you up. And 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 and, and St. Paul, I want you to understand, and those that are watching, I want you to understand why I am so particular, so particular um, about, first of all, who I have to preach. Um, um, because somebody coming here with some crazy doctrine. Thank you, Amanda. Somebody could come in here with some crazy doctrine and next thing you know, it, it'll take me five months, no, five years probably to clean up what somebody is saying in five minutes. So you got to be very, very careful, very, very careful about what you listen to, who you listen to, because bad doctrine can, can mess you up. And, and bad doctrine, really, it, it happens so innocently. We can take a scripture out of context or misquote a scripture, and we come up with some bad doctrine, okay? So for, for example, one of the things that <laughs> I hear people say is um, uh, money is the root of all evil, and that ain't what the scripture says. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. That, that, that's a misquote scripture. Uh, I, I've heard people say, you know, Bible says with two or three gathered, uh, uh, God's going to be in the midst of them and they appropriate it for worship. 
but it has nothing to do with worship. It has everything to do with church discipline. Okay. So God ain't saying where two or three are gathered, I'm showing up for worship. He's saying where two or three are gathered, I will be in the midst of them as they try to discipline persons who are out of kilter when it comes to um, uh, living within the context of community. All right. So little bad theology, little. And that's what the devil did when he tempted Eve and Adam in the garden. Just just twisted God's words a little bit and made Eve and Adam fall. Okay. All right. Um, uh, and so really what some have, what some have um, taken this to mean is when we talk about little leaven, leavens the whole loaf, that there are some scholars who contend that if Paul had allowed for the Galatians to take up circumcision as a requirement for salvation, then the entire understanding of salvation by grace would be nullified. And this is why Paul, this is why Paul is hammering this point home to let them know you ain't got to be circumcised in order to be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Amanda Armstrong, all right. I just wanted to make sure that we had clarity. So thank you so very much. Thank you so very much. Um, thank you so very much. All right. So let's let's talk about what that persuasion can look like. Um, people and ideas who cut in. Fellow runners, but their purpose is to take us out the race. Got to be careful who you listen to, even in the church. Because uh, they can mess up your race. People who, by threat of ridicule, makes us kick God's truth to the curb. Okay? That's destructive persuasion. People who dishonor Christ or who says that Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead. <laughs> that, that, that's destructive pers persuasion. People who practice what I call yeast tactics. And watch this. They, they, they're trying to gain credibility and control from the inside. They're dropping bad seeds. Uh, and then people whose teaching creates mental and spiritual confusion in the church, that's destructive persuasion. And here is how the devil really hammers this home, because the devil wants to make us feel guilty, uh, engage in oppression and accusation, become a, become a slave to sinful habits. Uh, have a troubled conscience, don't have the right perspective of Jesus Christ. Uh, when you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to do several things for you. First of all, the Holy Spirit will remind you, yeah, you may be wrong, but the grace of God is more than sufficient to forgive you. The Holy Spirit is life affirming. The Holy Spirit lets you know you're forgiven. The Holy Spirit produces positive change within us. It gives us the corrective view of who God is as a loving and forgiving and merciful savior. Uh, it helps us to understand what it means to be in relationship with God, our creator. And it has the capacity to lighten our burdens. Okay. 
Notice what Jesus said. Jesus says, take my yoke upon me and learn of me for what my yoke is easy. Listen, my yoke. Something's supposed to be hard. It becomes easy. And my burden, burdens, we don't think of burdens being light, but we think of burdens being heavy. And my burdens is light. That's what being in relationship with Jesus Christ produces as far as our lives are concerned. God, this is, I'm having so much fun with this right now. And then Paul says, for I have confidence in you and the Lord that you will have no other man, but he who troubles you shall bear this judgment, whoever he is. Really what, what, what Paul is saying is that I don't, here's what Paul is saying. I don't know exactly who this Judaizer is as an individual. I know them as a group, don't know them as an individual, but whoever he is, uh, whoever they are sharing with you a different gospel. God's going to deal with them in the judgment. Um, Paul is so confident that the Galatians would appreciate how he is sharing with them what it means to live by grace, that the leading false teacher would suffer his own judgment that when these Galatians really allow for the light switch to come on they'll kick them out they'll get rid of the Judaizers okay and 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 there are times and I want you to understand this there are times when when you have people who are creating dissension and disturbance within the church uh who are spreading false doctrine as far as church is concerned and uh, messing up the church that they have to be sometimes put out because you can't take the risk of a, a person messing up an entire congregation. Okay. Let's look at verse 11 because this is, whew, this is um, where, where, where Paul really uh, just, does a mental cut on folks. And brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Okay. So apparently somebody was going around saying, Paul is preaching that you got to be circumcised. And this is, this is how, uh, unfortunately it was happening then. It still happens now. This is how rumor mills get started. This is how mess in the church gets started. Uh, somebody was going around saying that Paul was still preaching circumcision. And, and Paul was like, if I'm doing that, why am I suffering for the sake of the gospel? All right. It, if somebody's trying to say that I'm a false teacher, trying to say that I'm preaching circumcision, then why is it? That number one, I'm still suffering. And then number two, why is it that I am preaching against the Judaizers? And why are they coming after me? Okay. Why are they coming after me? And, 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 and Paul wants us to understand that the cross, Calvary, 
and we're in Holy Week, so I think this is a good time to drop this, that the cross Calvary marked the end of the law system and rendered circumcision unnecessary. Okay? What Jesus did at Calvary marked the end of the system of the law and basically opened up the doors for people who were not Jews to become Christian and not have to go through circumcision because what Jesus did at the cross took care of all of that. All right. Here, here, here's, here's what Paul is really driving home because the cross was a stumbling block for the Jews. And the only way that offense could be removed would be that he stopped saying that Jesus Christ died for our sins. If Paul had been preaching, you got to obey the Mosaic law. You got to keep the 613 to 616 laws uh, of Judaism. That would be a stumbling block to his ministry. But because of Calvary, we don't have to engage in getting circumcised. <laughs> you don't have to engage in not wearing mixed clothing. You don't have to engage uh, in a lot of ritualistic things that makes us right with God. Okay? Because Paul had witnessed rejection from both Jews and Gentiles. All right? The message of the cross of Jesus Christ to the Jews it was offensive to the Gentiles. It was nonsense. Um, but to those of us who know that Jesus Christ has died for our sins, it is the power of God unto our salvation. So let's look at verse 12 because Paul really, really, really throws, <laughs> uh, Paul throws shade at the Judaizers because Paul says, uh, I wish that those who trouble you would cut themselves off. Now, that's more than shade. That's, that's, that's more than shade. And, 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 and trying to figure out how to say this in, in, a, in a nice way, but there's really no nice way to say this, but this is what Paul is saying in so many words, and you got to understand the context behind these words. Paul is saying in so many words, for those who are bothering you, they need to go and castrate themselves. In other words, he's saying, listen, forget circumcision. Why don't you just go ahead and go all the way? Castrate yourself and become impotent. Because if circumcision is a sign of being in covenant, uh, why don't you do like the pagans did and just castrate yourself? Because back then, back then, the eunuchs who were considered to be uh, persons that were 
held in somewhat esteem were castrated as part of sacred ritual for the pagans. So Paul is placing circumcision on the same level as pagans engaging in castration and making men eunuchs. So Paul is saying, forget circumcision. Just go all the way and castrate yourself. Because you don't hear of Jews engaging in castration. You hear of those who are non-Jews doing that. And Paul is saying, all right, Gentiles, y'all may not understand circumcision, but you understand castration. And if you understand castration, forget circumcision. Just do a snip clip. Okay? Um, um, yeah. Do it. Just... <laughs> Just, you know, make yourself impotent. <sighs> I could let that set, but let me get on. Paul says in verses 13 to 15, as I get ready to close out, Paul says, but my sisters and brothers, y'all have been called liberty and don't use the liberty that you have to satisfy your flesh. That's what he's saying. But he says, use the liberty to love one another through serving one another. Right? Use the liberty of loving one another to serve one another. And, and, and Paul really kind of highlights this in his writings, particularly in Rome, uh, uh, particularly in Romans chapter six, he says, Shall we sin that grace be more bound? Basically, if we engage in sin, God gives us grace. Do we sin that grace, that we get more grace? God forbids. Heavens, no. So what Paul wants us to understand is that God through Jesus Christ has set you free. But God in Jesus Christ has set you free not so you can do whatever you want to, however you want to, whenever you want to, because if you do that, then basically you are re-enslaving yourself to sin. So you are freed not to engage in a sinful nature, but you are freed to engage in serving one another because of the love of Christ that is in your life. Christian freedom, thank you God, cannot be defined as permission for you to do whatever you want to, however you want to, whenever you want to, to whomever you want to, thinking that God's going to forgive you. That ain't how this works. Freedom in Christ is an opportunity. Thank you God for this revelation. Freedom in Christ is opportunity to do what Christ has saved us to do without the fear that our performance will be count against us. 
we are free from endless ceremonial laws and sin and fear, but we are not free in the sense of totally governing ourselves or being autonomous from Christ. Teach Robert Scott. I am free from sin so I can be a servant of Christ. I am free from sin so I can be a slave of Christ. So I can engage in a higher law, the law of love. Freedom must be used to glorify Christ and serve others, not just our selfish desires. And I, and I think this is where Paul gets a bad rap because when you look at slavery back during biblical times and you juxtapose it against American slavery in today's time, there are two totally different ways of how that, that stuff operated. And I think that if Paul had written this in today's times, he would have been using a little bit different language because Paul always particularly understood the context in which he was writing. So Paul would, would if I could, just say, uh, let's let me, if I could, do a re-education and reinterpretation of the text so we can properly apply the text so that we can do what God would have for us to do. So let's, let's not focus on slavery and liberty, but let's focus on freedom and service. Okay. Um, and, 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 and as we focus on the aspect of serving, we serve out of love, okay? We serve out of love. We're no longer enslaved to sin. We now serve the Christ. So, so if I could just do a little reinterpretation to help us understand that I am now free from sin so I can serve my God fully, knowing that God does not love me based upon performance. God loves me just because of who I am. So, so even if I don't meet the standard all the time, it does not diminish the love that God wants to give me and that God offers me. Okay. All right. And this is what this is what Paul says in verse 14 that. Basically, my relationship with God is demonstrated in, in verse 14. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, let's be honest. It's kind of hard to love my neighbor if I don't love myself. And it's kind of hard to love myself when I don't understand who I am. And it's kind of hard for me to understand who I am if I don't know who I am in God through Jesus Christ. So the very essence of who I am is predicated upon my relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And when I know who I am with God through Jesus Christ, by the presence of the Holy Spirit, then I am able to love myself. And if I love my, the more I love myself, the easier and the more I love my neighbor. I hope this is some good teaching because this is blessing me. The more I love myself because I understand who I am in Christ, the more and the easier it is for me to love 
my neighbor. But I can't do that if I don't know who I am in Christ. Let me go ahead and wrap this thing up because when we look at verse 15, verse 15, Paul drops on us. But if you bite and devour one another, be aware lest you be consumed by one another. Now, this was this is kind of angle lie, y'all. This is kind of weird for him to say that. I, I, you know, and I really had to to really dig <laughs> to really appreciate why would Paul say something like this? All right. So, so, so this is why Paul is saying this. And again, you got to understand the context of a text. Because Paul is saying, I want you Galatians to mutually love each other. But because the false teachers have come in and split the church and got y'all fighting each other, those who are following the Judaizers and those who are remaining steadfast to the gospel that Paul was preaching are, are, are eating each other, devouring each other. And this is not what Paul desires. He wants the believers to be together in unity and not threatening churches with destruction, that they lose their individual testimony as well as their uh, corporate witness all right so 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 paul say y'all y'all are are are, are y- the reputation of the church at galatia is of such that y'all fighting each other and destroying one another's reputation and and that's not how we should be be flowing and and this conflict goes back to the false teachers and the confusion that they were causing with the believers And so the presence of conflict supports the idea that there were factions in the church. Some people were flowing with the Judaizers. Some were staying with the gospel that Paul was preaching. And then there were others who decided, I'm going to do what I want to, however I want to, whenever I want to. In other words, they took this idea of liberty to believe that they could do whatever they wanted to do, regardless of whether it was right or wrong. And Paul was like, no, we, we can't, we can't flow like this. So let me close with this. Because we got to be very careful against using destructive criticism. The people in Galatia were hurting one another rather than healing one another. And um, and this is why we got to be careful when it comes to criticism. Because when we're critical toward each other, we're not demonstrating our freedom. We are really slaves to our feelings. So we got to find some non-destructive ways to deal with our thoughts and our feelings. In other words, Paul is saying, but if you bite and devour one another, be aware lest you be consumed by one another. We got to be careful about where we're leaving teeth marks. Because teeth marks ain't marks of passion. They're marks of destruction. Love, respect, and honor for other believers work as strong antidotes to bites of destructive criticism. So when I love you and when I respect you and when I honor you, I'm counteracting the destructive criticism that you may be exposed to. We're not called to leave 
teeth marks, we're called to leave marks of love and respect and honor as we serve our brothers and sisters while also at the same time dealing with false teaching. Well, I stop right there. I hope and pray that this has been um, somewhat helpful uh, as far as uh, conversation is concerned uh, during this particular time. And um, as we prepare to close out uh, our time of, of study, uh, just want to let you know that uh, you have the wonderful opportunity, blessed opportunity to, to give and uh, help us to do the work of Christ here at the St. Paul Church. And there are several ways that you can, can give uh, uh, as far as the church is concerned. Uh, but before we do that, I think I see a question. And Sister Karen said, the verse 14, is that the same as Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 25? And when we see that... Uh, No, no, that, that is not the same. Um, in Ephesians 5.25, Paul is dealing with the church and he is using the husband paradigm, the, using marriage as a paradigm to show how he loves the church and how he gave himself for the church. So that's, uh, so Sister Karen, that's something totally different uh, that even though the principle is similar as far as love is concerned. The application is very different um, as far as um, how that is concerned because Paul in that particular aspect is dealing with marriage, not how we behave in the church. Okay, he's dealing with marriage, not how we behave in the church. So, so while, like I said, the principle is the same, love, the application is totally different and um, that's why we have to be careful when we uh, try to apply scripture as far as our lives are concerned. All right. Are there any other questions? Any other questions? I hope that gives clarity, Sister Karen. I'm following the chat. All right. So as, as I close out, uh, Sister Karen, but you still have to love yourself first. Yes, yes. You can't love someone else in a very meaningful way until you know who you are and you love yourself first. So yeah, that's, that's very true. Uh, but also you can't juxtapose Ephesians 5.25 with Galatians uh, 4.15 because Ephesians is dealing with marriage. Um, Galatians is dealing with the church. Both of them require understanding who you are. And even in a marriage, you got to be able to love yourself before you can love somebody else. Uh, and that love is a self-love that is rooted in agape. But I just want to be careful in, in understanding that while the principle is the same, which is love, the application is totally different. One is for the, uh, a husband wife. The other one is how we engage with our fellow disciples in the church, as well as those who may be engaging in false teaching in the church. So uh, are there any other questions or, or comments? Um, if, if not, I just want to uh, allow for you that if you feel led to give, you can do that right now. 
And there are three ways that you can give here. Uh, well, not three, a whole lot of ways you can give here at St. Paul. But uh, the primary ways is uh, you're more than welcome, Sister Karen. You're more than welcome. Um, uh, we can give uh, through um, dropping off your tithes and offerings, checks, cash, money order here at the church. And you can drop that off. But if you decide to do that, uh, call the church office at 704-334-5309 or mail your check or money order uh, or cashier's check to the church uh, at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. You can also give church uh, on our website through Church Life or ACS. Then you can also give through the app called Givelify. And if you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app. Connect to your favorite credit card in three clicks. You can give as far as that's concerned. So um, with that, um, if you feel led to give right now, uh, uh, be obedient to whatever the spirit is sharing with you to do at this moment. I hope and pray that today's sharing uh, has been a blessing to you. Uh, it has been my joy uh, to walk this uh, with you as far as this moment is concerned. I pray that the rest of your week goes quite well uh, as we make our way to Good Friday on tomorrow, Holy Saturday, and then Resurrection Sunday uh, where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Take care. God bless you. Have a smile upon you.